Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. Fill the paper with the message that it wants to send. Hello and welcome to the Aviatrix Writers Room. I'm Liz Booker and I'm continuing my conversation with Mary S. Lovell, who is the author of Straight On Till Morning, The Life of Beryl Markham, and many, many other biographies. And I'm so grateful to have her vast experience in writing and research to share with us today. Uh, Mary, you mentioned in the first part of our interview, um, and I read about it a little bit, that it was a back injury that really got you started writing. Can you tell us about sort of your writing journey? Right. Well, um, one of the things in my past, um, it's it very un-PC now, but I was a master of hunt. I used to, um, you know, hunt in the New Forest, and I had had a bad fall, broke my back, and, um, and that sort of put paid to me for about two years. Um, I was an accountant before that. While I was um, laid up, um, and I was not a very good patient, my partner, John, um, who, as I said earlier, he's the love of my life, a wonderful man, he, he rigged up for me. This is the very early days of computers. This is 1980. He rigged up um, a, a computer for me where I had the, I had the, you, it'd be it'd be simple now. The keyboard on you know those trolleys that slide across your bed, and the and and the um, the monitor on a separate table. So you know it worked. It wasn't too heavy on me. And I and I wrote the history of the New Forest Hounds, the New Forest Fox Fox Hounds, um, in the time that I was laid up. And actually, that sold very well. It's a limited interest book. I mean, I think. 2,000 copies were printed, and they and they all sold. So that was my introduction to writing. I, I wrote a few other books. Um, one was <laughs> called The Boys' Book of Boats. It was a book for young boys interested in boats, because sailing is another passion of mine. Um, and then, but then, then the next thing that, that came along, of course, was the Beryl book. Or a book of, I wrote a book about cats, cats as pets. Um, and my son, my teenage son, did all the illustrations for it. Oh, cool. I know, sweet. Um, and then the next thing that came along was the barrel. I mean, you know, I had no uh, thought. I didn't go around thinking, oh, I'd love to, you know, it's my ambition to be a writer. If someone had said to me, what are your ambitions? Uh, they, uh, writing wouldn't have come into it. I mean, I never saw myself as being a writer. What I thought about writing was that bit of a waste of time because, I mean, you look at, you know the the bloke who wrote Day of the Jackal. Um, I forgot his name for a moment. Um, uh, you know, and he he made ninety eight, um, uh, ninety eight times he approached publishers with his book, and they turned it down, including actually my own editor, 
who, you know, when when I asked him, you know, why he turned it down, he said, it just didn't make sense to me. We all knew that De Gaulle lived, so this book couldn't be, you know, what what could the ending be? He's <laughs> made the biggest mistake of my life, Frederick Forsyth. So, I mean, you know, I, to be honest, if my book on Beryl, when I sent it out, if I hadn't got any, uh, if no publishers had answered, I wouldn't have been surprised, and I wouldn't have been hurt. I would have, I, you know, that's how I thought it worked. I mean, it was amazing to me that I had about 12 people interested in it. I was just very, very lucky. It, it, it wasn't just the fact that it was, it was Beryl. It certainly wasn't my writing. I think I, you know, I coasted in on the back of the interest in Out of Africa. It, everybody, yeah. people were wearing safari suits. Everybody loved the movie. The music was great. Meryl Streep was everybody's best friend, you know. And then this other book came out, which was, Oh, it was a little bit of added extra to the out of Africa phase, and it just happened to be readable, and so it took off. You know, I was just very, very, very lucky. I know a lot of people now who write to me quite often. I get a lot of letters from people who have written books, saying, oh, "Would you please have a look?" Some I, usually I say no, but I do look at some of them, and I also look at some which have been published privately. You know, people have published them themselves. And they are great. Some of them are great books. They deserve to be published. Yeah. Why aren't they published? I, I don't know. I mean, perhaps they're not as persistent as Frederick Forsyth. And they're not as lucky as me. You know, if I now have to start writing now and, you know, try to make a living out of it, I don't think I'd succeed. I, it, it was just wow. luck, really. Pure luck. And you need that. You need a good slice of luck if you want to make it big in, in the writing industry. I mean, see, the worst thing is you cannot get publicity for books now. You know, yeah. it, it's too expensive to advertise books unless you happen to be a big name, like Salman Rushdie, you know, and you get publicity. Yeah. No one's going to give you any publicity. So the only way is with reviews. And review space is now about a third of what it used to be in the eight, in 1980s. There's all this new, this new world of social media and creating your own platform and marketing your own work. So, I mean, I'd starve <laughs> if, if I had to do that. You uh, have written all of these biographies. And, and like I mentioned in my introduction for this one, it is so meticulously attributed and with all of your back matter, you know, your, your sources and everything. What an incredible feat to do that kind of research, particularly, I mean, you had the good fortune to have her alive and, and be able to have spend time with Beryl and get to know her. But these other, you know, historical figures who you wrote about, tell us a little bit about how you approached research for a project like that. Quite often when People say, what did you do before you were a writer? And I say I was an accountant. They go, oh, that's a big jump. But actually, it isn't a big jump. It's a big jump from being an accountant to being a great novelist. But to writing biographies, which is actually history, it is not a big jump. See, I was, I was, uh, my accountancy um, genre was um, in, like, uh, an executive would come to me because he wanted to, uh, say, take on some new big project and he wanted £6 million for it. And then he'd come to me and I would research all of the effects that he gave me and then I would cost them and then I would present them in a, a readable way for the board. I mean, that is actually 
what writing a biography is. You you know, you do the research, you collate the facts, and then you present it in a readable fashion. So really, all of my years as an accountant were really only an apprenticeship for me being a biographer, I think. That's fascinating. No, no, no big change. You know, it came very easily to me. And I and I'm a very nosy person. I love reading other people's letters and other people's diaries. So that was no hardship at all. I can promise you. <laughs> uh, and and the, the notation, well, uh, you know, that was my training as an accountant. You know, I, 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 I was meticulous about that. I'm known for it. And I never sort of accept one piece. If if I'm writing about something and I make a statement, which which might be um, new information, I, I wouldn't just accept that one piece of information. I would try to find something which supported it or knocked it down, you know. Um, so if, if, I, if I couldn't find something that, that would support it, then I would tell the reader that, not in the note, not in the notes, but in the text, Yes, I saw I saw that happening several times. Yeah, so it's for the reader then to decide how likely they they thought it or not. You know, yeah. Um, I'm I'm not the sort of person who sort of hammers things. I certainly don't try to make political points in my book. Um, I, I don't try. I try not to intrude myself into the book at all. Really, you yeah. know. So I, I I regard myself as a bit of a storyteller. You know. But factual. Yeah. So that, that's how I see myself. I, do, I, I don't see myself as a great writer. You know, I, I, I think I'm quite a prosaic writer, but I can write it in a way which is fairly interesting. So the books sell. You know. and, yeah. and a lot of people say, oh, I can hear you talking. When, when I read your books, I can actually hear you talking. Now, my son says, I can't read your books, Mum. It just sounds like you talking. <laughs> <laughs> So it's your voice, but you are telling the story of somebody else that you have very meticulously researched. Yes. Yeah. So with your experience, what advice would you offer to someone who aspires, who who finds this inspirational figure like you did in Beryl and has to write about them? What advice do you have for them? Well, first of all, nothing you write down is ever wasted, even if something isn't published. You know, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren will see it. You know, write it down. Don't, don't let it sit in your mind because when you're gone, it's gone. I, I mean, just imagine now if you could have the daily diary of your great, great, great grandmother, you right. know, knowing what she did, how she made her soup, how she washed her clothes, you know, what, what she felt about her husband, you know, not really earth shattering great literature it, it'd be just so interesting i'd love to know how my great grandparents lived you know if only they kept diaries i've kept a diary for 40 years it's mostly rubbish you know but uh, <laughs> so if you've got something in you to write write it get it down on paper it's, it's there then what you do with then is a different thing getting it published i've got no real advice for you there i mean you can do what i did just send it to publishers ad infinitum but i mean these days it's it's a tough world, the literary yeah. world. You know, I, as I say, if, if, if you know, I'd starve if I entered it now. So, um, I, I've got a, I've got a pen friend in Australia who wrote a terrific novel, 
called a place of pines. One of the, it, it's sort of like an Australian Gone with the Wind, you know. It's a, it's a terrific read. Could she get it published? I actually introduced her to my editor and other publishers that I know, and I said, no, 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 it's too Australian for us, you know. I, 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 I just can't understand it. You know, and yet, and sometimes I read a book that has been published, and it's garbage. So there's yeah. no understanding it, really. You know, you just yeah. need luck. Well, and these days there are other options too, and and the there's like a a little, little bit of democratization in terms of publishing, and I'm not talking just about you know vanity publishing or self publishing. We have these other options of um, hybrid publishing where there is a proper editor, and you do pay to uh for their services but um some of them are doing very well in the hybrid publishing industry that may not have been published otherwise so no i know someone like that he he this is a a a man who lives locally and i he writes about sailing he's he's got a sort of james bond type figure who is uh, he's he's very knowledgeable about sailing and and he writes and i'm also a sailor um when you're when I'm reading his books, I'm actually on a boat in a storm. You know, I mean, he just writes so well. He's written six now, um, now uh, six books in the series, and he's had them all published. And he goes, uh, I think the publisher pays for the publishing. He pays fifty percent of the printing cost, and you know, I, I, he's got some kind of deal with it. I, I mean, I, I I met him down on the beach the other day for a coffee. In the place called the shack, you meet you at the shack. It sounds a little bit shady, but actually, it all is a coffee shop. So, <laughs> and I said to him, "Well, how many books? How, how many books have you sold, Richard? Is it Richard Franklin's his name?" And um, he said, "Over the six, I doubt if I've sold two thousand. Now, I was really shocked about that. Really shocked. Huh. I mean, there's no." The, he said, oh, no, it's cost me money. You know, I haven't made any money out of it. But he's now yeah. writing the sentence. Um, to me, I can't wait till the next one comes out. Why hasn't Why hasn't this series of books been picked up? You know, I, I, I don't normally read thrillers. They don't really interest me. But this interests me because of the sailing aspect. Because of the sailing, yeah. 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 And, and, and so if you're writing about flying, as all your people are, I mean, there's, there's a hell of a lot of people who will buy a book just because it's about flying. You know, I, would. I, mean, yeah. I had a massive when I moved to this cottage. I moved from a, I had four thousand books in my old my old house. I I, I had to cut it down to a thousand here. So one of the big libraries that went was my was my flying library really. Um, yeah. I, I found someone who specialised in aviation books and they took a lot. But I mean, I still buy aviation books to read. You know, I don't fly yeah. anymore. I should say I haven't flown really since my last. I've been married three times. My last husband was a very highly qualified commercial pilot. And um, he died in 95. And when Jeffrey died, I stopped flying because there isn't a lot of fun in flying around on your own, you know. Just, it's, it's like going for a drive in the car, isn't it? You know, you go up in the, and And um, so, I, so I stopped flying then, so I don't fly anymore. I still love aeroplanes. That's very interesting that you said that and something I've been thinking about because I retired um, after flying military aircraft, always with a, a crew member, at least one in the plane, usually a co-pilot as well, most often. And I've I've taken up flying recreationally. So the whole 
recreational flying is new to me. And I've been gliding recently with a friend and he's, he's a, in a big rush to get me to solo. And I'm like, well, but I do this because I love flying and because I have somebody to talk to while I'm flying. <laughs> That's a social activity. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, that would frighten the knickers off me actually fly uh, gliding. I, I mean, the whole thing, you know, you're always looking, waiting, making sure the engine's still <laughs> ticking over. You know? And I, I mean, that, that's what's keeping me up there. The thought of being up there. I was terrified. Trust me. I was terrified the first time. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> so where do you, where do you fly from? I live in South Florida. Uh, near Miami, and it's very busy airspace here. And so he's found this little spot west of the city where it's nice and quiet, and uh, and you go up in the air with no engine, and the radios aren't chattering, and it's a it's a lovely experience. I'm really enjoying it. So is it south of Miami? Uh, this one is due west. Oh right, okay, yes, yeah. just the odd crock. Yeah. yeah, in case you happen to miss land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trust me, I think about it. Well, Mary, did you have anything else you wanted to share about writing? No, no. You've given us so much already, and it's been wonderful to talk with you. I, I Truly. And I, it's such a joy to meet you, and I, I can't wait to meet you in person. I'm really looking forward. I'm, I'm just waiting for the day now when I'm sitting on the beach, and one of the, one of the staff comes along and says, there's a lady asking for you, Mary. And I'm married to you. <laughs> well... Well, let's, we'll do something a little more coordinated than that, I promise. <laughs> Lovely to talk to you, Liz. And good luck. Same to you. Say for later, you cannot trust it to come again. To wait for you to find a pen and fill the paper with the message that it wants to send.